Have you ever wondered what a couple of butt-naked people talking to a snake and pyramids and floating boats and talking donkeys have to do with reading your Bible? That's right, people. This is the Uncensored Podcast where we talk all things Bible. And it's called I Read My Bible for one reason. We want you, the listener, to be reading your Bible better. That's right. We want you to become a self-feeder here in 2021 and understand how to bridge the text, how to understand the context of the original authors, their spiritual, supernatural worldview, what it is that they're doing when they sit down and write, who they're writing to, what does it all mean to you today? So I thought it'd be a good way to start this podcast by just kind of breaking it in lightly. And this, um, we're going to do one of many uh, series uh, that will be in the realm of dealing with some of the common errors of Bible interpretation. Um a.k.a. Uh, taking verses out of context, uh, saying things like, read this uh, verse and say what it means to you. Yikes. I know we've probably all done that. So uh, I'm also uh, guilty. Um, so it's really important, uh, as we said in our opener, uh, there's a context a person behind the text. Scripture has authors that lived within the na- ancient Near Eastern world. They had a supernatural worldview. They had a worldview in which they lived. And when they sit down and write, they're not uh, channeling, you know, they're, they're cognizant, they're aware of what they're doing, the spirit is working through them, but they're also, their mind is also present. And often they even have, actually they always have an agenda when they're writing. Um, And this is a little bit easier to detect in the New Testament when uh, someone sits down and writes a letter. Generally the purpose is disclosed quite quickly. just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of John, where uh, near the end of uh, his letter, he says, "I or his uh, gospel, sorry, he says, you know, I've written these things uh, down so that you would know that he is the Christ. Um, but it's not always so easy to detect in the Old Testament, especially if our... Uh, when we're when we're sitting down and reading, we're not looking for the uh, these kind of indicators. So, <clears throat> having said that, um, and thinking that God is speaking uh, in the Old Testament, He's sovereignly shaping Israel, and uh, all these works are pointing to Jesus in the New Testament. Um, we have to remember that. Uh, in the author's uh, original purpose for writing, there is a target audience. So, as, as again, as I said, the Bible is written for you, but it's not written to you. Um, 
So let's look at an example. Today we are going to look at a classic. Uh, those of you that have had discussion around this before probably already know. Oh, wait, it's actually been revealed on the cover of the video, so I guess I've been found. Uh, that was a really good sneaky, wasn't any uh, sneaky on my side. The text is Jeremiah 2911. Uh, most of you probably know it by heart, and even Christians are uh, non-Christians are aware of this text. And the text says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I mean, this is a text that people quite often will apply to their lives uh, right out of right out of the get-go, and they'll say things like, yes, God does have a plan to prosper me. And I mean, it does sound great. It really does. Um, the issue is it quite often goes from there to misappropriating the text and, um, you know, prosperity, gospel kind of stuff. God wants me to be rich and successful in all areas of my life. He wants me to be rich in wealth and health and financial and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so the most important thing to remember when reading scripture, as is any other type of literature, is that context matters. The number one hermeneutical key in reading letters, books, newspapers, doesn't matter what the literature, context, 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 context matters. So what we're going to see, um, and we're just going to look at a little bit of, of the story here. We're not even going to dive in that much because uh, we could spend three hours doing it. Um, but we'll just look at a couple pieces of what's going on here, and they're really going to help us answer some key questions about uh, Jeremiah 29.11. And that is the most, and to me, the most important one is, uh, who is the you? When he says, the plans to prosper you, plans for your good, who is the you that is uh, being spoken to here? So... Uh, if you looked at the teaser, you know, I open with uh, saying that this show is going to be in-depth teaching, but it's going to be punchy. So uh, if you want, uh, jump over to Exegeeks when we come up, and maybe this passage will be in there in a little bit more depth. Uh, but today, we are really going to help set you up, because I really want you to go read this text for yourself after. So the chapter... Uh, contains Jeremiah's letter both to the Israelites who have been relocated by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon and the remaining Judeans living in Jerusalem. And the audience has been exiled. Um, you know, <sighs> Jeremiah is writing to give general counsel to the leaders in Israel in the middle of uh, societal upheaval, but he's also giving some counsel to the exiled uh, Israelites. And the central theme is that God's, or sorry, the central theme is God's just punishment of the Judeans for their sin and his 
unmerited mercy for the people in the midst of their suffering. You know, the fact is, is that Judah had seriously drifted away from God. Um, They were, and and now they're being warned and threatened. Uh, His people are being warned and threatened. And God is going to use the Babylonians as his agents in punishing Judah for their sin. Um, insert a small Christian leadership lesson here. Uh, and there's a lesson that your devotion to God may mean going against the cultural norm to remain faithful. Jeremiah has been encouraging and confronting religious and political establishments. And it should inspire those who want to know and follow God. So Jeremiah's letter really kind of consists of two main parts uh, that I see. You know, there's the the council for the exiles, and he's kind of encouraging them even, uh, awkward as it sounds, to settle down in exile. And there's some admission, admonitions that, um, against uh, falling for the spiritual and physical, uh, uh, how do I say it? Sorry, there's, there's admin, admin, there's admin, uh, I knew that button was there for a reason. There's admonitions against falling for the message of false prophets. Uh, just uh, off the top of my head, verse 29, uh, 15 to 23. Um, so in writing to them, Jeremiah not only maintained uh, contact with, uh, with them, but he's also, he also shared God's message and sought their, uh, their spiritual and physical welfare. Um, just, just listen to this, uh, 2, 2 verse 20. For long ago, I broke your yoke and tore off your bonds. But you said, I will not serve. For on every high hill and under every green tree, you have lain down as a harlot. Youch. I mean, think about it. The people are characterized in the text as turning away from God. They're charged with spiritual adultery, living a lie. And they're warned that chaos and death were coming their way by the Babylonians if they did not repent and turn to God. But yet there's this gentle assurance in that rebuke. He assures them that their salvation was God's intent. The message of 2911 is quite comforting despite Israel's exile. It would be right for Israel to come home since they are God's covenant. They are his own people. And he is in covenant with them. And he establishes it through his election. And he wants to bring about their redemption, and he will. And he's even made plans for it and an earnest appeal for their repentance. I mean, talk about a change from reading the verse with absolutely no context or idea what's going on in the background and then applying it to yourself. That is what we would call eisegesis. 
reading into the text and finding something that is not there. Um, you know, and I predict that um, after this brief little overview, where we've really, really not said much at all, um, that some of you would ask, you know, what is it that is so wrong with reading the text and applying it without knowing this backstory? And my my simple answer is first, let's approach this from Jeremiah's perspective. If you were to write something today, put something out on the internet, and uh, someone were to take it around and rip it out of its its intended meaning and say something you never said or meant, maybe twist it a little bit, uh, you'd probably be upset. And you would probably bring some pretty quick correction. I mean... <sighs> You know, if you really want to use a oversimplified example, if you've if you've played the game telephone, uh, you know that sometimes the message starts pretty clear, and then the person at the end tells you what they've heard through four or five voices, and you're like, "Yeah, what? I never said that at all." <laughs> I mean, the message can get glossed pretty quickly. Um, Maybe not the best uh, the best analogy, but the point is, number one, the author meant to say something, and it's our job when reading the text to find out what that is. Um, second, if scripture is God-breathed, it's God-inspired, it's his word to us, and if it has authority authority over our lives, and it has weight, it has to be objective. That is, it cannot be interpreted on our side. Otherwise, it would have no substance. It could mean whatever you want it to mean. And this goes for all of Scripture. It is either objective and true or subjective and open to interpretation. And if it is, then there's no gospel, there's no hope, and the Bible has no validity and meaning. And it sounds a little bit harsh, but it's just the truth. God's word is written by real people, and he's working through them, and it is truth, and it holds weight. And it's historically accurate. And it is authoritatively speaking into your life. Through that passage, God was authoritatively speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to his people. Past tense. For Israel and Judah, those exiled ones, those adulterous leaders falling for false teachers, that is who the original message was for. You know, there, the context, the uh, original context was the 7th century, roughly, before Christ. You know, um, there was a political upheaval. There was the Babylonians had been increasing their territory under Nebuchadnezzar. And God had exiled his people. They had, 
they had this call to repent, to return to him. And that is really the agenda that Jeremiah has sat down with. Um, and, the, you know, the reason is that in the end, the end goal in the reason for the writing for God is that uh, the fulfillment of Israel to come, to come out of their exile and return to him. This passage was written for you, but not to you. Um, similarly, you know, similarly in the ancient world, um, or to, to ancient Israel, if you if you really want to apply it to yourself today, this would be uh, how I would approach it. You know, similar to um, ancient Israel, we too have. And that is the the believing audience and those who are picking up Jeremiah twenty eleven. They're not trusting in Jesus. Um, we have our own self seeking nature, and we tend to uh, preserve that, and we trend we tend to serve ourselves rather than God. We'd rather do the things of the world uh, to do the the lusts of the flesh, to follow false teachers, those who would uh, teach things that itch our, or that scratch our itching ears, you know, the things that sound good. And we too somehow have this desire to follow false teachers, prophets who would tickle us, tickle our ears, and approve even the sinful desires of our heart to speak to those things. But the timeless principle that remains is that God desires that we would turn from our sin and its destruction and that if we do that, we too would have the promise of redemption in Christ. You know, it was for the Jews first, but also to the Gentiles. We really are living in the fulfillment of the gospel going out to all nations, all people. And we are called, just like the exiled, to return to Christ, to remain in covenant relationship with him, to experience the blessing of salvation if we turn from our sin, repent, and trust in him. I really do hope that you have benefited from this podcast um, that you've seen uh, that there might be some tools that you need. Um, and But even more than that, just before before we, we uh, grow in uh, this uh, hermeneutical uh, skill and, and develop tools, uh, the goal is really that you'd notice in this, uh, this short time that you really do need to pay attention to what's going on and read ahead. Know what's going on when you're reading the text. When something's being said, what was being said before? What is the bigger backdrop that's happening? And you really need to work hard to find that out, to know what to do with the text in front of you. Listen. If you benefited from this podcast, you liked it, 
Click subscribe at the bottom. Not so that we can build a list of subscribers. We're not trying to monetize anything here. Like I said before, we really generally want to help you in your walk with God, uh, interpreting the Bible and growing to become a self-feeder. Subscribe if you want to continue to listen. And if you know someone that would benefit from this, please do share. Share it with them. Also, if you'd prefer to listen to this in your car and not on YouTube, we don't want you to be distracted drivers. You can tune in to I Read My Bible. We are on Podbean now. It's officially up. Our teaser is up. It's a free app you can download. You can listen for free on Podbean. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in supporting us, uh, you know, we're not doing this for business, but we'd gladly accept uh, copy tips. Uh, there's going to be a link below for uh, a little website called Coffee. KO hyphen FI and you can go in there, leave us a tip, buy us a coffee. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to I Read My Bible. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>